And the top of the morning to you here. It is a beautiful day outside, and today we're going to talk about the platitude of gratitude. So many experts out there have done the copy and pasting of their websites when it comes to gratitude. Therefore, they really do not offer much advice outside of, oh, here's something to be grateful for. The light switch, electricity, it's magic. Be grateful for the food in your refrigerator. Be grateful for running water. The real basic necessities they say to be grateful for. I agree. We need to go a step further. How is it we are grateful for our food in the refrigerator? There are certain things that go into keeping that refrigerator cool, keeping the freezer frozen. There is an abundance of work and people and supply chain that goes into the light switch just flicking on. So by saying it's magic, be grateful for it, there's a little bit more to it than that. So today, I challenge you, anybody living in the platitude of gratitude, to challenge them a step further and say, I love the fact that you're grateful, but let's go a step further and really be grateful and find out why it is we are actually grateful. Now let's get this party started. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. Another Time Machine episode with three E's. Back to the Tuesday. No, it's Wednesday. Today. Oh, man. See? In our Time Machine, it's Wednesday. The, yep, see? We're in the phone booth, Bill and Ted somewhere. Man, we need George Carlin to help us out here. That would be a Time that Machine. Awesome. The great prophet, yep. George Carlin. Mr. Black Magic himself. All right, folks, we are getting caught up. Sterling, of course, was on a five-day road trip last week for his other business. And then, of course, I was uh, four meetings in two days out of town. And we're trying to get caught up. And as you know, we, priorities. This is the week of priorities. Yeah. You know, you've got kids and your wife is now in, in a, a new, tr- new job transition. So you got family things to do as well as school. And I'm the same way where I've got things. But at the end of the day... We got to get it done, man. We got to get it done. Yeah. So even if it takes us all weekend long, <laughs> and it might take us two weeks to get caught up with the week. Hey, that's why we got our time machine. That's And, and this is the beauty of it. This is what I cannot wait for this day to happen because right now, if you go to thecrudelife.com, we're still doing the work hard interviews. In fact, I got three today. I got three today on this Friday. Yeah, almost got too many. It's Friday and we're recording Wednesday's show. Right. But later on this afternoon, I'll be doing some interviews for next week. <laughs> you, that's what I mean. You can't right. make up that well, logic. Just not, there hasn't been a lot of time for the play part of this program. So we're finding a little bit of time mm-hmm. to play hard, and we're kind of doing truncated editions of the play hard because... Cutting we, room floor material. Cut, right, or random texts in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Which I, that's another thing that I've all of a sudden learned that I've done. Are you sleep texting me? Thanks to your wife, wondering if you're having an affair with random texts coming at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. It's like, who's texting you at 2.38 in the morning? I'm like, oh, it's Jason. He's just having an idea. 
Has she has she thought like okay is it someone named Rachel and he just changed it to Jason right right like okay what does this code mean what does this mean because the texts are very random now she knows I I, I must be on the straight and narrow because I just ignore them and go back to bed so what I do a lot of times folks is when I have a random Ooh. idea at a random time I'll just text it to Sterling okay show topic yep and I'll text it to him and then depending on what time of the day where I'm at when and where um boy it can you know in spell check because a lot of times they don't check it's Surrey just just my okay for example I <laughs> did, what was the striper one remember the band striper oh vaguely yeah striper was like the first Christian rock band of the 80s but mm-hmm. they were in the closet the whole time about like, being a Christian rock band that, that was like the in and out secret menu like wow you kind of knew striper was a Christian rock band mm-hmm. but you didn't talk about it okay okay and then winger oh man Kip winger they were just flat out in the closet yeah I mean they got made fun of to where Stuart from Beavis and Butthead the winger shirt yeah that was that was mwah, masterful where you actually you know you gotta what was you, that you song gotta they had? accentuate by by clicking your your hands off of your lips when you do the <laughs> mwah, because it just Beavis and Butthead's just use of winger was just so perfect yeah it was just, a, it was a nice statement a fine moment about ended their career yeah Probably. Well, they went from from. Uh, are they cool? To nope. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you had ACDC and Metallica, on and then the two, Winger. Yeah, and then Winger. So, yeah, just by association. Which, who, of course, was Millhouse, right? Uh, or the Millhouse. Yeah. Stewart was the Millhouse character mm-hmm. on Beavis and Budhead, but so yeah, I mean, anyway, so he get random text, but the Striper one. Luckily, I caught because Surrey changed it to Striker. Striker, right? And I'm right. and I've been having issues with Surrey. Do you get into spats with Surrey? You know, I try now, to be as nice to her as I can. I, I'm not sure if Sur- you have Surrey. I have an iPhone. I do have an iPhone, and yeah. I believe iPhone is Surrey, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so Surrey is um, apparently the grammar police and apparently the spelling police <laughs> because you can spell something correctly. And it just says, no, I think you should start the sentence this way. Yeah. I mean, what the F, man? All I know is I'm a home inspector, so I often type in the word avenue. Yes. But for whatever reason, Siri is like, oh, you meant ace, right? Because you always use the word ace. I'm just going to put ace in there. And that's where I started wondering because I'm like, what is going on here? These are not my algorithms. Yeah. These are not my words. These are not, I mean, why is it changing correctly spelled words? And like, I'm not talking striper here. I'm talking right. about just, no, just we're on a whole no, new no, no, rant no. now, no, baby. Man, this is this is interesting because just the other day, <laughs> my family decided we're going to get a cat, right? I have not done any searching for finding a cat breeder, right? A day after we start talking about it, I'm flipping through Facebook and all of my feed is about cats. It's about finding cats, taking care of cats. And I'm just thinking, so it just listens. Yeah, so Surrey is listening. Just listen. Yeah. This is what's funny is back in 2007, okay, 2007. It might have even been 2006, but I believe it was 2007. I can't see that far back. I had a newspaper in the Fargo-Moorhead, Fargo mm-hmm. area. And it was the business newspaper, the business journal. Okay, it was the business journal. Printed on dead tree? It was printed on homeless blankets. Homeless blankets. Otherwise known as newspapers. <laughs> newspapers. <laughs> Newsprint. <laughs> and, well, we, I was the publisher of the business paper, right? Mm-hmm. 
And we did a story called The Brave New World of Marketing. And I got so many conspiracy tinfoil emails. Oh, I'm sure. And letters, because this was 2007. People still sent letters. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Think of that. I know. <laughs> Vo- you know, leaving voicemails on an answering machine type yeah, of thing. Shoot you a fax. But what we talked about was how Google was introducing this technology. And back then, it was when a baby cried or a dog barked. It was it was specific uh, sound bites. Right, cues. It was yeah. cues, yeah. It wasn't even like words at this time. Mm-hmm. It was noises more than anything, okay? Yeah. And I and the article was about this is the this is the gateway. This, this is the yeah, gateway. This is this how is, it starts. This is how it starts, right? And so this is and, and the article actually said like as you're reading this, this is a documentation telling you this is how it starts. And because it was almost taken from a futuristic style of writing, which really was the only way to approach the article. Yeah, you have to kind of suspend some belief there a little bit. Uh, well, there was no other way to put it because yeah. you were you were reporting a fact, which was this is this is the House bill and the Senate bill and the executive order that approved all this stuff, right? Right. So like in 1997, anything that has like a computer has to have like some recording device that has to do with the FCC for emergencies. So Theoretically, at any given time, the government can flip on, if you've got a computer on your toaster, mm-hmm. they can just flip on your toaster. You know, I don't know how, but it right. can, right? Yeah, all those new, or not new anymore, but the smart home technology stuff is a little weird to me. Right, but it was it was kind of like everything became its own like little miniature black box, like in some some version of that on a weird level, I saw right? an app control for an air fryer. So you, you buy the air fryer, download the saying. app, and control it remotely. So in 1997, and I believe it was 1997, Okay. There, there was an FCC regulation that passed that allowed all this to happen. And it had to do with anything that going forward has a computer or like that has to have a recording device. Well, then Google, of course, parlayed that mm-hmm. and then said, well, we want to use this for advertising. So if a dog barks, we want to be able to give them pet food ads. Yeah. Started innocent enough, right? We're not going to be spying on people. Of course, the tinfoil wearing people came right out and said, whoa, you're going to be listening to our conversations. No, we're not. It's like when somebody bought Alexa and that that little box that sits on your your, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, kitchen table. It is so funny to me when someone will say that that thing is not listening. It is absolutely funny because I look at them for a second. And I just have to pause because I'm not trying to be a smart ass. It just happens. And I'm not trying to be like condescending. I'm just basking in the moment that this is where we're at in reality. It's a friggin' microphone. Where someone will say, no, Alexa's not listening. I'll just pause for a second, turn and say, hey, Alexa, will you play Lady Gaga? (laughs) And then... Playing Lady Gaga comes on, and I look at the person, and I say, no, it's not listening at all. all. I mean, are we at that point? Well, I I heard a joke where it's like a a daughter (laughs) asks the father, why do we always whisper in the house? And the father says, so that our phones can't hear us. And then the daughter starts to laugh. The father laughs, and Alexa starts to laugh, too. (laughs) Home inspector, you do that. Yeah. 
are people doing safe rooms yet? Like like the, the you I know, haven't actually come the across off the grid room where it's no. like lined in mylar or tin foil. So no. like you know the 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 drones can't spy, no, the never toaster seen can't spy. No. Of course, you probably wouldn't bring a home inspector out to that place. That would be like the part of the property I wouldn't even know about. Well, no, it could be any room in the house. It's just you know, um, it's just you know, it's behind the drywall. I do you, notice you put in mylar or a something. ton of surveillance. You know that um, that security systems. Uh, that's nanny interesting cams to everywhere me yeah. because these a lot of these surveillance systems are very like they're very more about show right because if if you're a true criminal mm-hmm. you just take their wi-fi off and they don't have surveillance right right it's a deterrent more than right yeah, it's kind of yeah, like it's... when i worked at a video store mm-hmm. and we used to have um you know those little uh um oh those magnetic strips that you had to walk over a bridge and the bridge you know had a couple arms and if mm-hmm. the magnetic strip went off Lights would go off, and they're at department stores too. But at a video store, it was kind of like a little walking bridge, you know. Yeah. Eh, Well, eh, eh. that didn't work ever. It's just a deterrent. (laughs) It never. I mean, the guy never. All any of that stuff is. It's it's a deterrent. In fact, they sell those cameras, right? Where it's just 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 a a fake thing. It's like a bulb. Yeah. And there's no camera in there. It just looks like one of those bulbs. But nowadays, it is it is really about as easy and Mm. inexpensive to just put a real camera in. No, that's what I'm saying. Now, for 99 bucks, you can have uh, three or four cameras Mm -hmm. around your property. But my understanding is is that they are 100% reliant on the internet. I believe so. Yeah, it's all a wireless system. Right. Yeah. And so, if you're a true criminal. Well, okay. Just go when the power's out. <laughs> just go unplug their Wi-Fi. Although I do think some of the more sophisticated ones, it's not something I inspect, but I'll notice the equipment. And some of them appear to have battery backups and things like that, you know, for at least connectivity. But I always assume and have always assumed for the last decade or so that when I'm doing my job, I'm under surveillance. You just sort of assume that you are. Do you know anybody with these uh, cameras? Oh, yeah. I do too. But yeah. I, honestly, if, if I were to say, if I were to write down... 10 of my friends off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And if I, the ones that I know have them or do not have them, I would say easily half have them. Yeah, I'd guess 20 or 30% of my friends have some sort of surveillance system. And that's just the ones I know about. Yeah. So the other half might have They it, might not say anything and about it. And they might it. not say anything, exactly. right. Yeah. So, um, but the ones that I do know, yeah. the reason I know, the reason I know, oh, they'll call me. And they'll talk about what their wife is doing oh, man. or what their husband is doing. Well, there's a or how they, they're watching their kids downstairs. Yep. And, yep. and it's, it's like Sliver. They're all just, you know, uh, oh, what's, what's the Baldwin brother? Oh, my God. The, the, the bad one. Yeah, Billy Baldwin. Uh, Billy Baldwin, right? Wow. Where he just sits behind. Uh, yeah, Sharon eight, Stone. And that's yeah, a, that takes it back. There's like 18 television yeah. sets, and he just sits there drinking scotch and watching everybody yeah. in, their, in their apartments, right? Just living their lives. So it's almost like that. Mm-hmm. Whenever they start telling me these stories, and actually... I, I wear this like a badge of honor. So if you're going to come steal from me, I guess, okay, you're not going to steal much. But I don't have anything here. I hear a lot about I do like, that hotel rooms and, and uh, Airbnbs with cameras. And you stay in a lot of different hotels. You do a lot of traveling. Is that, ever, is that ever something you worry about? Do you James I Bond do. it when you go in, check all the windows and stuff? It's very interesting that you, brought, you bring this up because uh, I was just having this conversation with, uh, you know, my friend whose name sounds like a motorcycle? Yes. So 
he does a lot of Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of hotels. Okay. It's just a lot easier with pets to find a hotel with a pet, yeah. that sort of thing. He does the Airbnb because he's got a family and mm-hmm. he goes for a week at a time. And I would, and when I did that, I did the Airbnb too. That was much easier than it was with the hotel actually. Sure. But he finds himself for work even because he'll go stay at a place for a week. Oh, Frackleberry Hound's at it again. Those climate activists are back. Yeah, I think Greta's on the lawn. At least uh, the ne- the next Greta wannabe. The, Come on, uh, it's just a truck. She's very protective. Oh, it's garbage day. That's yeah, why. Yeah. All right. So what he does is he'll go on, you know, he'll go to wherever. Uh, Watford City for a week, and, re- and re- it's hard to find a hotel in Watford, but he can find an Airbnb, for example, right? right. So he'll do that. More comfortable too, I'm sure. Well, I told him about this article because when I stayed uh, in Hawaii, we did an Airbnb with a, it was a friend of mine's who owned it, and I asked her kind of snarkingly, I said, "So do you guys have hidden cameras?" And she's like, "What?" Because we were having lunch one day, I said. I go, oh, that's a whole industry. Oh, yeah. I go, that's a whole industry of uh, people that have, like, snuff videos of people either pleasuring themselves. A lot of that. It's more of pleasuring than it is the uh, actual uh, the husband and wife or girlfriend, boyfriend, or picking up whatever, you know, the bedroom stuff. Right. It's more (laughs) of just kind of whatever they can catch type of thing. But it's that type of thing. And she, she didn't realize that exists, and, and thank goodness on the look on her face was... Well, now you've given her ideas. Great. But in the article I read, it was the owners of these Airbnbs, it was for their pleasure more than anything. And so anyway... Um, I, you know, I wonder, uh, I, I think they might be able to get away with it if they disclose it. You know, we have cameras in the kitchens and stuff like that as a security, you know, just to make sure people aren't trash in the place, or if they do, they've got... I never even thought of that. But I bet you... I. I there might be something in the contracts. I, I would have to check. I've never actually used it. Uh, where y- you might be able to say as a as a renter, yes, I do have cameras. But it's the ones if you don't tell them and they find them. That's well, that's interesting because yeah, uh, well, you'd he, want to monitor your property, wouldn't well, you? He never even thought of that, um, my buddy. Yeah, you know, and like and, no bathrooms, but kitchen, living well, room. And him and his wife have gone on Airbnbs together yeah. and that sort of thing. So my guess is there's there's got there's got to be some happy medium between what you're talking about. I totally get that where sure. in some common areas, at least mm-hmm. there probably is some cameras, mm-hmm. but inside, I don't know about that. Yeah, I wouldn't want bedrooms, bathrooms. Well, I wouldn't even spaces. want, I wouldn't even want the living room. No, I wouldn't either. I'd want to be able to have the freedom to, yeah. to have a big giant picture window with the ocean and be it's in the problem, moment. No man. I mean, if you've got, if you've got a laptop, if you've got a tablet, if you've got a phone, if you've got a newer smart TV, there's what four cameras right there. Yeah, that you have control over nominally. I mean, you you can turn them on or off, but you're not a hundred percent sure that you're the only one that can do that. I'm not a fan of this, by the way. <laughs> I know um, it's making me freak out now. No, I, no, I'm not a fan of the uh, kind of that guerrilla marketing where just because you say the word, you know, dog mm-hmm. or cat or baby or Baby cry was it's another creepy. one. It it is. It's, it's creepy. It's downright creepy. It's like somebody coming up to you and say trying to get into a relationship with you, and at first you're like, "Wow, this person knows everything about me," and then you find out it's because they've been stalking you. That's the skit. Yeah, where you and I or two people 
are sitting at a bar mm-hmm. and they're talking about whatever. And every keyword they say, someone just pops in as an eavesdropper. Hey, I heard you guys talking about camp. Here, try my camp. And then they quick back away. And then, <laughs> then the other two people keep talking like this and that. What like, would it look like in meat space? Right. What yeah. would it look like in physical, in real, real time? Did Not yep. the digital world, you know, type. That would actually be pretty clever. Yeah, that actually kind of reminds me of like an SNL skit. You know, it'd be something like turkey that. Turkey TV, yeah, if you remember like the old turkey TV. and. Kids in the Hall, yeah. Oh, whatever happened to Kids in the Hall? Actually, I read that they're doing a revival. I could, I, I could see that they're, they could they're come coming back. back for at least a season or something. That so. would have enough of a cult following from uh, oh, the day yeah. to where people would want to pass it on to their kids at least to try. Well, it's perfect for us because we were at that age where it was on Comedy Central at the time, and it was it was slightly edgier than Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah so we were looking for something like so that. So that was Dave Foley. Yeah, God, I gotta remember most of those. That names. was the only one I really retained. Yeah, and he's the one that went on to do the most stuff that people are familiar with. Everybody else went on to movies, I think. He went on to news radio and and some things like that. One of the guys, I think Carson, uh, isn't he? No, wait, maybe that's Queer Eye. See, I get them confused. My wife loved the Queer Eye for the straight guy show. She loved Kids in the Hall, and I get them all kind of mixed up. Was Kids in the Hall Canadian? Yeah. It was Canadian. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was kind of like the SCTV yeah, of it was, Saturday Night Live. I think it was actually like a continuation of that. All right, you ready yeah. for this parallel? Boom, factoid. So if, 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 if we're doing comparisons of Canadians, okay, <laughs> then, then, then we got to ask. Dig in deep. We got to ask. What was Mad TV to SNL, and what was In Living Color to SNL? Wow. Now, In Living Color was more of a minority connection, I would say, mm-hmm. because I think the Waynes brothers yeah. were the lead. Jim Carrey was the fireman, so he kind of got his uh, his his. That's where his start. Really his came start in. was, yeah. but it was primarily it was minorities that mm-hmm. at all the leads, right? Mad TV, at least at the time, and uh, but Mad TV at both. I was going to say is that they were definitely more diverse shows. Oh, they were, but but they were they weren't as diverse as In Living Color. In Living Color was no, that was that was like okay, we are one hundred percent African American and yeah. and uh, Hispanic and just that. Oh, and Jim Carrey's our token well, white guy. And it, yeah, that's what was funny. But it had, <laughs> you know, it had I that, clapped at it that, had that fresh honest. '90s humor. You know, I mean, oh, it was it was. It but was their humor was you didn't really see color. It yeah. was kind of like Cosby. You mm-hmm. know, where you didn't really see color. Michael Jordan, you didn't really see color. You know, they're just they, they're. Yeah, it wasn't talent. black Saturday Night Live. It was Saturday Night Live type stuff with more African American actors, without in it. a doubt. You know, that's totally, all. and that that's why I re- I very much respect what they did with In Living Color, and that's why I laugh. Going, you know, Jim Carrey's the token white guy, right? It worked out okay for him. But then he got mad. That was really I I don't I can't remember exactly who the cast was, but I do remember that was one of the first real diverse casts that I saw. Yeah. And of course, they use Mad as as a way to kind of get the brand going. But um, oh, I'm surprised they haven't made a comeback. Yeah. Too. What? Uh, God. What was her name? Alex. I forget. Forstein or she's the. You know, she was in Mad, and she's the wife. She's Lois from Family Guy. Oh, she's, Jane Krakowski or whatever. Uh, no, I forget what her name is. But she went. She's oh, somebody, Family Guy, not yeah, Malcolm she, in the Middle. She's somebody who went <laughs> on and had a lot of, uh, you know, TV roles and voice roles after the fact. That is true. Matt actually did produce quite a few uh, mm-hmm. vo- voice actors. Now that I'm thinking about it, because I did do an IMBD search one day on something like that. Yeah. And a lot of, uh, it was through regular show. 
<laughs> so I started with regular show, and I ended up on Mad TV, and a lot of those actors were doing voice co- cartoon voices. Actually. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. now to go back and see how many of them got their start in those little roles. Uh, I saw also, I did want to mention one more thing before yes. we kind of conclude this, uh, this whatever is it, Wednesday show? Wednesday. Hey, actually, what was that news story you had? Oh. Uh, Let's do that quick. Oh, okay, yeah. So this was the... Uh, Waves of abandoned zombie oil well. Yeah. Right? So yeah. What, what's that all about? Okay. So this was coming out of uh, this is a blog out of the Permian Basin talking about oh blog. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we're gonna get some editorializing. I think so this. Some, not yeah. not only newspaper editorializing. Okay. So the but story blogger. originally appeared in Grist and the Texas Observer. Now Grist is an extremely left wing publication. It I says do it right at the top. Activist. Oh, it does. Justice. Okay. Yeah. All I know is that Grist is like more left than Slate. All right. <laughs> wow, that's hard. And to do. Slate is more left than the Atlantic. Wow. And the Atlantic is more left than Central. Okay, but the Atlantic is okay. I, I don't have any problems with the Atlantic. I can I, I know when they're trying to editorialize and when they're actually facting. Now, um, the other one, Texas Observer. Yeah, that's a newspaper. That's an actual okay. newspaper. Yeah. Yep. So what they're it's basically it's a long story, but what they're talking about here are the surge of zombie oil wells. What is a zombie oil well? So as I understand it, a zombie oil well is essentially it's it's a well that's no longer producing, but has not been capped, has not been sealed up in. Again, so there's an abandoned well. Yeah, there's an orphan well, and now this would be a zombie well. Yeah, you. What is the difference there? Because I've heard all three of those. Is this some guy trying to come up with a new sexy term? Because no, because I've heard it before. Because if he is, it's working. <laughs> so they. Uh, this is a story basically talking about a family there that started a in Midland, Texas, founded Seven uh, S Oil and Gas LLC in 2014. And they acquired oil leases on over 18,000 acres in the region. And uh, basically, they're dealing with the zombie wells. Huh. Yeah, so they did see as they got these wells going, they saw lots of them leaking and gushing produced water. So one well leaked enough produced water to cover a 100-square-foot stretch of pasture. Wow. At the deepest point, the spill could have submerged a two-story building. So it sounds like that's the difference, is these things are still producing waste. I'm trying to understand what the difference between a zombie well and another one of these like abandoned or orphan well, wells. Well, I know that I know that the um, the the climate side of it, what they come at it is is that they're not that just they're leaking, but that they're also contributing carbon dioxide, right? So they're leaking they're leaking methane is one of the things they've discovered. Um, oil companies apparently are legally required to plug their abandoned wells to prevent these types of hazards. Okay, here we go. You ready? Yeah. All right. Now I know why I'm getting a little upset here. Well, when it actually comes to you know journalism and news and that sort of thing, we do need to be impeccable with our words because going into a crowded theater and yelling fire is really easy to do, but yeah. people die because they get trampled on. And that's kind of the idea behind having responsible journalism, right? War of the Worlds, it happened there too. <laughs> they came out with a fake news story and they didn't tell everybody ahead of time it was a fake news story. People were jumping out of buildings because the idea behind a newspaper or a media outlet is trust. It right? used to be. Used to be. Trust. Yeah. 
So if, if these people are trying to do media mad libs and marketing, marketing is trying to persuade you. It's propaganda. Propaganda used to be an acceptable term until Nazis in Germany screwed it up. Yeah, actually, that's what they officially called. They called the it the mi- propaganda department. It yeah. was the Department of yeah. Propaganda, the, the way, Gest- Minister of Propaganda. Gestapo became the go-to term for Swastika used to be a sun symbol. Yeah. And it used to be perfectly acceptable. The yeah. Confederate flag was okay on Daisy Dukes, but yep. now, by the way, greatest meme ever. The Confederate flag or the Confederate lasted what five years in American culture, whereas Shake from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah, I loved that. Fifteen, 15 years. Fifteen years and going. Yeah. Okay, here's an article from Reuters. <laughs> I found an article from Reuters, uh, two thousand and uh, da, 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 fifteen, okay. So apparently this orphan dwells too. Two thousand fifteen, okay. okay. Uh, And it says here, the slump has created dozens of oil and gas zombies, a term lawyers and restructuring advisors use to describe companies that have just enough money to pay interest on mountains of debt, but not enough to drill enough new wells to replace older ones that are drying out. Though there, there is no single definition of a zombie Most investors and analysts consulted by Reuters say they tend to have an exceptionally high debt loads and face the prospects of shrinking oil reserves. What you're telling me with this story, we're on the cusp of a bunch of bankruptcies, mergers, and acquisitions. That's what I'm hearing. Actually, absolutely. In fact, the... uh the other news article, just real quick, I won't go into it, but that, that hit my eyes this morning. North American oil bankruptcies hit highest first quarter level since 2016. So, yeah, that's what I'm seeing, too, hand in hand. And in 2005, when that downturn happened, again, from this article, to stay alive, zombie companies have curbed costly drilling and are using revenue from existing production to pay interest and other expenses in a process some describe as slow-motion liquidation. Bankruptcies and defaults loom because the cutbacks in new drilling have become so deep that many companies risk getting caught in vicious circle of shrinking oil reserves uh, falling revenue declining. Oh, my goodness. Boy, this this is really opening my eyes right now with what you're talking about in this current story. Well, and it sounds like they... uh they probably need to find a better way to incentivize it because it sounds like in the Permian Basin, they've identified about 7,000 abandoned wells where we're operated by over 1,000 different companies. That's what I'm saying. So if the term zombie, if that's where it came from originally, mm-hmm. was based on companies that were basically just paying the interest. Yeah. So they just, still own them. They're just not doing anything. Right. That's, yeah. just, that's basically that's where once a day you let the dog out to go to the bathroom and then you put him back in the kennel, right? right. That's what you're doing, right? <laughs> you're just doing the bare minimum yeah. so that it keeps alive. You would not have a happy dog or a happy well. Or a happy well, exactly. Yeah. Holy smokes, man. I didn't realize this was what was going well, on. Well, yeah, and they're, they're estimating uh, state officials in Texas and New Mexico estimate a $335 million price tag to plug these This things. is like the shale play profit right happening in its moment, man, what we're doing right now. Seriously. Well, I wonder, you know, we've talked about that's where parts of the industry seem to go is it's either it's 80% oil, 20% wind, or it's 60% oil, now it's 40% plugging wells. I mean, is this the future? Because that's, that's what this article talks about is companies that are creating themselves just to plug wells. To That's the other that. part That's of this. That's more government money coming this, in. I was going to say, this is more evidence that the managed marketplace is going to become more managed. Yeah. 
because the government's going to be handing out tokens so people can go plug these zombie wells. I guess it would be like uh, training the person that's replacing you almost or, you know, giving your three weeks notice and they give you some Is busy Is this week, the new food work. line? Jesus. No, Is that what's not. going on right I now? I not. Where instead of bread, you're getting digital bucks? Well, this stuff... You're getting snap cards and, you know, whatever? You tell me, but from what I've read, I mean, this is stuff where they were supposed to have plugged these things, right? But for whatever reason, costs and other things, they haven't. So it's their responsibility... It's all politics. ...to to plug them, and now we're going to pay money taxpayer money i don't by the way i don't fault the oil companies on this by the way i fault the local and state officials because if they would have put the regulations in place and a lot of the different i think it's like five grand in north dakota it's like a five thousand dollar deposit that's are you you telling me that it really i mean oh it's something like that it's like it's it's ridiculous it's not even close to what it costs pocket change for well no but no it's not even close to what it costs yeah it's like it's like when you Oh, it's just like a wink, wink. Thanks for your insurance money. Ha. It's like when you rent a car and you, you know, 50 bucks for insurance, right? They always get you on that. But if you total the car and you walk away, okay. Well, if you've got personal your Your problem now, buddy. Right, you know, it's, yeah. it's like when, if the company goes bankrupt, well, you can't get any money from them, right? Right. So the state has, what, five grand then to plug this well? Well, that's not enough. No. So they just leave it. That's what's going That That's what happened over time. And yeah. so... And they've changed it, and, and, and I'm not saying that's still the case, but that's kind of well, the lesson—the lesson that a lot of these public officials learned over the years. And a lot of times, that blame goes to the oil and gas company, mm-hmm. and that's where I say no. The oil and gas company has never, ever tried to hide from the fact that they're there to make money. Well, and, and, and it, for me, it seems like a potential new market. Remember, we were talking to and some guy to in, go uh, around. up in the uh, New York area, I think, that was yeah. talking about abandoned and zombie wells at one point where some of these are 100 years old, right? I mean, yeah. they were abandoned ages ago, and they're using drone technology and, mm-hmm. I think, dogs to try to, to find them out. So in a way, it's like watching the market adapt. You know, okay, well, we'll figure out a way to make money out of this. This is an interesting story how the word zombie wells was being used, but there was no real definition of what it was. And here we pull up a story from 2015 where they actually talk about the origination of that term. So this is what's going on in the world today, folks, is the journalism is getting so lazy. It's getting... Because that's three sources, Grist, the newspaper, and then a blogger. And not one of them decided to actually say what a real zombie well is, which is basically companies that are just paying the interest. Yeah. Just, what, what, what is it, Walking Dead? It's just the stem that, that keeps the instinct of eating alive. So that's what it is. It's just that's, that. It's just that little, that right, that little yeah. uh, angler fish light <laughs> in, the, in the bottom of the ocean that just attracts you, you know, right. type of a Keep thing. Keep going for Keeps it. Keeps the zombie moving forward. Well, well, you know, that's helpful because abandoned wells, then the orphan ones, those sound like they've just been, somebody walked away. There is no defined ownership of them anymore from bankruptcy or dissolution or whatever. Whereas zombies, somebody owns that one, it sounds like, right? I guess so. Can you imagine that? You're like in charge of 
Yeah, how the zombie fields doing oh, today, Ted? They're Negans. Yeah, they're Negans had Negans. zombies. Yeah, <laughs> he was one of the ones that had zombies. There's right? got to be some Walking Dead stuff in here for uh, us. The, I mean. the governor didn't really. Uh, he had them as pets, yeah. but Negan or the Whisperers, Negan, they're the ones that travel with those. They put the z- the zombies to work for them, right? That's, Who was? The, didn't somebody use that's them? That's capitalism. Somebody used them to make power in a, in a wagon wheel. Or I think some so. Kind? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. See Negan. He. That's what's going on here. All right, there we go, folks. The market will find a way. (laughs) The zombies will find a way in today's marketplace. See the CDC? There we go. They're preparing us yet. I'm feeling all right. I'm doing okay. I'm here for the moment, you know, and then I'm on my way. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Chewy Paws. All-natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs. USA-sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, ChewyPaws.com. That's ChewyPaws with a Z, dot com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone lines. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, listeners and friends. I'm glad to have you on here today because we get to talk with Catherine Hill. How are you doing today, Catherine? I'm doing well today, and thank you, Jessica. Good deal. Hopefully it's a beautiful day there like it is here. Now, Catherine Hill, it says, is the president and CEO of Patronus Petroleum. Um, but that's that's uh, such a small portion of the story. You do quite a lot. You do quite a lot. Would you like to tell everyone about uh, what it is that you do? Okay, well, we'll start kind of at the beginning. <laughs> I best grew place. up in a <laughs> best place to start at the beginning. Yes. I grew up in an oil and gas family. My father was John Hill, and he started out as a roughneck and grew Esperanza Energy into a rather large independent. And 
my mother was a large part of that. Um, they were they were very social and just wonderful people. I grew up kind of at his tutelage, you would say, um, coloring logs and flying back and forth looking for oil wells because that back in the day that's how they spotted oil trends. Interesting. Um, from there, <clears throat> I didn't start my company until after I had been in New York. I modeled up there for for quite a while, oh, and very nice. It was fun. Um, yeah, I've had just really a great, great life, and I am very blessed. Grew up on ranches for the most part, um, and then when Dad was passing, I moved back to Dallas, and I decided that I'd start my own old company because I was young and naive and thought that just anybody could go out and start an oil company. (laughs) (laughs) Big dreams, big dreams. (laughs) It was big dreams, most of which really did come true. Um, I was very, very blessed. Um, I was taken under the wing of Duke Redman, who at the time was a friend of my father and a big wildcatter. And he kind of gave me access to his office and I started looking at deals and I looked at deal after deal after deal. And I learned as I went, I learned to be quiet, (laughs) listen a lot. And I would literally sometimes in meetings just hold up my hand (laughs) (laughs) if I didn't know what they were talking about. First deal I ever did was the Valentine deal in LaFrouche Parish, Louisiana. That was seven wells that had been shut in. And Duke's attorneys got the whole thing untangled because it was kind of back in the day when when we had a few people in the industry that didn't always do things exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so we got that out of the lawsuit and turned that on. And that was kind of my foundation for starting in oil and gas. It's a really good hands-on experience to start out with. That's That's got to be so helpful. It really is. And... Being a woman in oil and gas back then, having <laughs> having come off being a model, you know, five nine, blue eyed, blonde haired, young, right? <laughs> a lot of blonde jokes. I can tell you for sure, <laughs> <laughs> being taken seriously wasn't always the easiest thing. Um, and we got past that. So I went from there to pretty much learning a lot of the different aspects of the oil industry because there are so many. I mean, you can do lease banks, you can do brokerage, you can do aggregation. I did a little bit of all of it. And I settled on minerals because I like minerals the best. My company still buys. In fact, we're in the middle of closing a relatively large Scurry County deal, which is in the Sac Rock. And um, that's what we do. So you you buy do you do your company mines for the minerals on other people's land? Like they, they, you find it and then mine it and then pay them for a portion of it. Or how does, how does this work? No, minerals are a whole different cat than drilling. When you have your minerals, some people won't ever sell their minerals. Sometimes I can convince people to sell half of their minerals, but in due course, people will eventually sell them. You don't mine for them. They're there under the ground, and they're attached to the well that is drilled. And so you don't have, when you're buying and selling royalties, or if you own royalties, you don't have the drilling expense. Okay. So because you're not, you're not part of the well. You're part of the lease. 
Okay. And so you get paid without any of the AFEs, which is authorization for expenditure. And I just, I prefer it. You don't have the liabilities. I do still get involved in some non-op working interests and have partners that, you know, will, <laughs> if somebody comes and says, okay, I've got this many minerals, but it ha- you have to buy the working interest that goes with it as well. So what you do is you go ahead and do it and then you spin off the working interest side of it, or at least that's what I do. So that way you aren't faced with, you know, the drilling liabilities, being a mineral owner, you want to be behind the good operators. And that's, that's kind of how it works. Interesting. Okay. So I guess I hadn't even, I didn't even realize that this part of the industry, I mean, even I guess existed, you know, um, so this that's this is kind of all brand new. Well, you're not the only one. <laughs> it's um, the mineral industry, just like the oil and gas industry, has has changed vastly over the years. It used to be all families, and nobody sold their minerals, and they held on to them no matter what. And then, as we all know, this is a boom and bust industry and a boom and bust economy. And as it became necessary, they some people sell off, endowments sell off every now and then. And that's that's what we look for. Huh. And so then what, what do we do with the minerals? We get a check in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> we call it mailbox money. Well that's that's not such a bad trade then. <laughs> it's really it's really not because there's you know, other than having to pay your taxes and you know, keep up with decline curves. You don't want to keep minerals that are declining badly. So you just like anything else, you know, this is losing value. So I'll go ahead and sell it and then go buy a mineral someplace else where, where it's trending. So what, what would actually be the top mineral in the industry right now? What's the most sought after? Oh, definitely Permian Basin. Yeah. That's, Why is that? Yeah, because there's so much drilling up there and it's profitable and, You've got the best operators up there, and so that's. I, I'm not working in the Permian per- currently because it's um, it's very crowded. Yeah, <laughs> it's very very crowded space. I Hot like area. to. Yeah, um, I like to look in in other places where not where it's not quite so crowded. That's fair. Yeah, no, that that's fair. Oversaturation can be a very difficult thing to maneuver around for everybody. Actually, that's that ends up cramped into the space trying to trying to do stuff. So I can definitely understand that. So then what are some of the obstacles that you find yourself facing? I mean, was this was this part of the industry uh, really as was it as affected as the rest of the oil and gas and the energy energy industries uh, throughout this last year? Or um, how what has what has changed? I guess what the, pr- the pricing has gone up and down. I expect the pricing to um, I think we're, we're coming to a point where we're going to stabilize out. That's, you know, <laughs> that's what my crystal ball says. <laughs> According like to my crystal ball, we're hoping you know just stable and stay in the 50 60 dollar range and you know everybody can still make money between the 50 and 70 dollar range and it doesn't hurt the common the common good as far as gas prices i mean most people don't even know the gas comes from oil <laughs> right. right and uh, and all the other products i mean when you take a barrel of oil and break it down only half of that barrel goes to gasoline rest of it goes to petrochemical and, you know, pharmaceutical. It, there, 
there the list is vast of what that other half of oil guys do. Oh right. There's um there's so much that I found that I was actually astonished at the number of things that are made out of petroleum based products. I mean our medical industry would be absolutely crippled without it at this point. I mean just even looking at the the, the pill casings and A and D ointment, right? Uh, Vaseline, right. so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's um we are we are much needed and um necessary. There's I assume you found me on LinkedIn. So um I was actually recommended to contact you by Jason, but yes, I was able to find your LinkedIn profile is where I was able to find you. Yep. And and now that you have, I'm going to go back and freshen it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that way other people can find you. Right. And there's there's a word that some of the younger ones call me that I have mentored along the way. <laughs> and they call me a Luddite. And a Luddite is a person that refuses to keep up with technology. <laughs> I've never heard that word. But and I like it's, it. It's, it's something that I need to get over. <laughs> Yeah, it's difficult. I, I, I've decided that since I can't just get away from using technology in general, that I will pick and choose the trends. So I'm up on Facebook and Instagram for my, my business, you know, but I refuse. I refuse to join TikTok. I don't know if this will be a good I, thing or a bad thing, but. I won't join it either. So mm-hmm. we're on the same page. Right? <laughs> LinkedIn, I'm, I'm cool with, but um, I think I I'll just too. stick with that. I don't, you know. <laughs> that, that, that's kind of where I am is. LinkedIn is is where I get most of my information now. I um I live in the country and I don't even have a TV. Oh yeah, that's actually you know more common than I had expected in rural areas, especially. But uh, I bet it's quite a bit more drama free than a lot of people are living right now <laughs> with TVs it, it everywhere. Is. It is. If you, I, you're probably too young to really remember nine eleven. Oh, um, no, I, I remember. I remember that day perfectly. I was I was in middle school. I was pretty young yet, but Yeah, people people tend to really remember that one. And I had a friend who's no longer with us. He was a psychiatrist, a great buddy, really fun. Um, and he warned very strongly everyone that he could talk to, he said, Stop watching it. Do not watch it. Don't watch those towers fall over and over and over again. Yeah. And because it did create so much trauma. And I think with all the politics and negativity that we're having right now, it's kind of the same thing. People are so caught up in it. It's yeah. like, okay, it's going to get better. <laughs> right. I actually choose not to watch TV. I stick to movies and shows that I, I know and like already because I can't handle I can't handle seeing the, 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 the drama replayed every day. I, I like being informed, but it, it is, it's traumatic. And then it causes tension all over the place. It does. And I, I totally agree with you on that. It's, um, it's just, it's a time to go outside and plant your garden. <laughs> oh my goodness. For sure. For <laughs> dig, sure. Dig in the dirt. Enjoy it. Um, I think some people have struggled with being, you know, at home. A lot of people have gotten to know their kids. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mostly that's a good thing. <laughs> right, right. Uh, everybody uh, does need a break, though, so it's always good to have some good healthy hobbies that, you know, especially when you can get something real fruitful from it. So starting a garden, that's one of my favorites. I'm working on that this year. That's wonderful. And speaking of hobbies, one of my hobbies was one of the one of my entries into the social aspect of oil and gas was that I shoot. Oh, and I shoot sporting clays, and I'm pretty good at it. That <laughs> is really cool. 
And it was the one thing where I felt like, you know, I could go out and shoot with the men. And it was a great place to form rapport. And for any young woman coming into this industry, I would say, you know, go join Desk and Derrick's. It's one of the oldest and most well-respected. If you really want to learn the industry, those girls know so much. Oh, my God. They're wonderful. (laughs) So what was that called now? It's called Desk and Derrick's. Desk and Derrick's. It was um, formed to educate the women who worked in oil and gas offices about the industry itself. And they are, they put on clay shoots. That's why I segued over there. Um, I was a member for a very long time. And they take all the office staff out on field trips and take them on derricks and show them how it all works and all the working parts. And that is cool. It is so cool. And I've never been to a desk and derrick meeting that I didn't, you know, meet somebody who was a secretary to somebody that I knew or <laughs> have met along the way. And they're, they're just, you know, and it's not just secretaries. It's, you know, oil and gas people. And it's just, it's a tremendous amount of fun. There are a lot of associations out there, Adam and, and others that I used to belong to. And, since COVID, that's kind of dropped away. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> unfortunately, yeah, it seems like a lot of social experiences have kind of been put on pause for the time being. Um, I'm lucky enough to live in South Dakota, so I wasn't nearly as impacted as a lot of other places and people. Well, I'm getting ready to do a deal in North Dakota. So. <laughs> oh, very nice. Very nice. There's there's quite a bit of activity up up there at the moment, so. It's it's all good. It's a good life. Everybody be happy. Oh yeah, especially I'm... on this Good Friday. Oh yes, definitely, <laughs> absolutely. Oh my goodness, and it's such a beautiful day here. I like I said, I hope it's as beautiful there as it is here because it is just gorgeous today. It is. It's magnificent here. The wildflowers are starting to bloom, and it's just we don't have spring for long in Texas, but when we do, it is magnificent. I almost moved to Texas. I, I do love it there. I, I have a, a special appreciation for the Black Hills, though, where I do live. So I figure that just means I get to go visit Texas every now and again. Yes. yes. And you should. It's a good place. Oh, definitely. Good people. So not to kind of go ring back around to uh, where we just were a little bit ago in the conversation, but I had um, a question pop into my head because it's kind of a unique, well, a unique set of skills to be also able to go clay shooting. And you'd mentioned that it was difficult being taken seriously as a female in the energy industry initially. Was it kind of the same with uh, with shooting or was, was there a lot more initial ease of acceptance, do you think? Because that's kind of a male dominated sport (laughs) apprehension i guess i don't know not with the shooting for me particularly because i already knew how to shoot and it's um it's a great sport it's a great sport for men and women um i didn't have any trouble getting into the shooting side of it just i had some some really good experience from growing up on ranches so i already knew how (laughs) right not helpful for sure and when (laughs) i used to tell some of the guys i say you know yeah, we're standing here. I got a gun. You got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> what you want to talk about? <laughs> right. So it's um, you no know, the um, the sporting clay 
it's it's definitely it has pretty much always been open to men and women or at least my experience of it has been. So it's so, so and maybe that's just my own head cuz I've never been involved in shooting clay. I I grew up my dad and you know my grandpa and I I know how to shoot and I was in our JROTC so then they they you know taught us how to shoot pellet guns in that course then too. So I had a couple different experiences but I never got into the clay shooting and maybe it's just my imagination. So it it doesn't seem to be a male dominated sport then, huh? Uh, yeah, I, I'll have to I'll have to retract that it really is male dominated but it's oh but there's but there's no bias like i guess is what you're saying like you never really felt any kind of a difference for being female in that sport no i really i I never did it's um and it's 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 kind of like the oil business in that you know people will watch you long enough and if you keep showing up and you keep doing well (laughs) right they will eventually take you seriously right persistence motivation and consistency I think as as my blonde hair starts to turn gray, I've learned <laughs> patience, persistency, all those things that the people tell you when you're young and you look at them and go, oh, I don't need any of those things. <laughs> right. No, nope, turns out, turns out it's very, very helpful. Well, that's it interesting. That is very interesting. I Thank you. I That kind of doesn't really have anything to do with energy, but I thought I would ask because it was, I don't know, it, it intrigues me in any case. I started out doing music, actually, and then I was on the radio, and then I got an invitation from Jason to conduct these conversations with uh, wonderful people like yourself within the oil and gas industry. And so previous to that, my personal knowledge of the oil and gas industry is basically limited to all of the conversations that I get to hear, you know, from my my husband and my brother-in-law who worked in the industry for many years. And my brother-in-law still does. But, you know, that makes me still pretty uh, new to the whole thing. But I know that as a female in the music industry, it is it was interesting trying to be taken serious as a female. Generally, people assume that my husband handles all of the business, right? And so I can only imagine how much more difficult it could have been for you in the energy industry trying to start out. Well, I can tell you how much it's changed. The very first night that I ever attended, I think it was the second one they ever had. I believe it was in, about 30 years ago. And I remember walking into that room. And I'm pretty sure I was the only woman and there were all, there were a couple of hundred, maybe a thousand. And that's really pushing it, people in the room. And for the first time ever, all of the logs and the maps and everything were up on the walls. And I was just shocked because, you know, we'd all kept our information so tight. We didn't share. <laughs> <laughs> so that ought to be weird. And that was pretty weird. And then... I guess it's been five years since I've been to NAPE. And there are several. They moved it from the gallery in Houston over to George R. Bush. And there are thousands of people. And it even has its own area um, called Women in Energy. And they do their own events only you know, for women. They're in all levels of the industry. I mean, you wouldn't, back in the day, have seen a woman roughneck. It was considered bad luck in the 50s, 60s, and early 70s for a woman to even set foot on a rig. Like a, like a woman on a ship for, for a sailor like, or pirate? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Interesting. All right. And so now the industry has truly opened and embraced. And I remember standing there looking at that huge sign that said women in the oil industry. And it was just, it was a, it was a beautiful experience. Sounds I'm, like it. Glad that I've gotten to be a part of it. 
So are, is there any advice that you would have for a female who's going to, you know, thinking of starting out in the industry today? Um, go join Desk and Garrett's. <laughs> right. <laughs> get, get your education. Um, find what part fascinates you and thrills you because you have to love what you do. And, you know, dress moderately. <laughs> right. <laughs> Especially dress moderately. That's important. That's about that's about it. That's pretty sound advice. A good education. And, and of course, we already covered that the keys are, you know, persistence and consistency. And it sounds sounds like we pretty pretty well covered those bases. I don't know. I, I pulled up the website for the uh, Dusk and Derrick's Association. So I will be including that in the show notes from this conversation. Definitely looked like a pretty neat website, though. I love I love the way they have it set up already. Definitely haven't, you know, gotten to take a look at it yet, really. But what I see looks pretty nice. So so anyone listening will be able to find it and take a look for themselves. And then is there is there any other way besides LinkedIn that you would like for people to get a hold of you? Or is that pretty much the go-to spot, do you think? That's pretty much the go-to spot. Or at some point on my LinkedIn, I'll put up a new web page and they can find me there. <laughs> or they're welcome to call me at the number that you have, which is 512-755-5874. Very nice. Very Always nice. looking for minerals. Oh, absolutely. And when you get that new web page put up, you should let me know and then I can add it to the add it to the show notes and let everybody know that there's a new spot to find some information too. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you and be well. You as well. Have a great day. All right, my friends, that was Catherine Hill. And you can find her up on LinkedIn, the president and CEO of Patronus Petroleum. Make sure to look in the show notes for the links. And of course, if you enjoyed this content, be sure to find out the rest of what is in store on thecrudelife.com. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. with Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can see for my 20 companies, they take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good 
show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota, United States Senate. Talking to Jason Speece, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Speece. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Ron Gusek, president of Liberty Oilfield Services. This is Ron Gusek, president of Liberty Oilfield Services. The only word I can come up with is quantifiable. How does an oil company integrate that into their day-to-day business, I guess? It's an intangible versus the tangible is what I'm getting at. I would come at that from two ways. I, I certainly think there's been some attempt to quantify that uh, just just to give a picture to the broader populace around how much work goes on in our industry in, in that space. And so I know, for example, the Colorado Oil and Gas Association here has, has worked to to bring together all of that data and, and, and try to summarize it at a high level, just to try to, you know, to use your word, quantify that impact in Colorado and the communities that we work in. So it's, I know, I know there are some attempts to do from an external standpoint, it, it's difficult. And, and then exactly what happens with that data, you know, does it get consumed by by people? Does it translate into benefit for our industry in terms of uh, uh, perception or uh, acceptance of of our industry in, uh, in a place like Colorado? I, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough thing. Internally, you know, I, I think at least in Liberty's world, you know, we are such a culture focused organization. We are so much about creating a culture in which people want to come and work and, and be with the people that they are, uh, that they are colleagues with and, and to make a career of it. To listen to the full length interview with Ron Gusek, president of Liberty Oilfield Services, or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to join our ever-growing army of energy enthusiasts with our social media accounts. From the Facebook to the Twitters to the YouTubes, they're all located at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. From the staff at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure The forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. 
The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now, I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and let me just say this, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas, and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a sixth. It it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, The grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today. uh, And and there's- It's our snowy here in Lubbock again. I mean, I don't, I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Ector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Ector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those, uh, those materials. And so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one, heat our homes, or two, uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be even be able to handle a, 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 you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now, you know, there's gonna be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half of the lodge went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on, a, on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? J.P. Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by It Takes an Industry to Build a Forest. 
Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The Crude Life, play hard, work hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come.